1: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the unblurred window in the Amsterdam booth to my blurred window. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. The worst story <laughs> I've ever heard in my yes. life. We'll begin yes. with a question for you, Justin. If that's all right, what connects Neil Warnock, Sean Dyche and Aidy Boothroyd, aside from football managers, of course? Do they, do they love a bit of the industrial football are they are they big fans of the industrial revolution i'll i'll, I'll lean towards there and um, they might be that's not the one i've got written down in front of me though the answer is they're the only other managers in championship history to have won 32 points or more from their first 13 games prior to enzo maresca With Leicester City. Aidy Boothroyd, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely a a, a white sheep amongst the rest of the clan here, isn't there? Uh, Interestingly, though, Justin, none of those three managers went on to win the league in those seasons. Will Enzo Maresca and Leicester also fail to win the league? No. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we've had a round of midweek games in the championship for us to nibble over just in and night. So we'll go through all of that, including another loss for Wayne Rooney at Birmingham City. We'll get on to that very, very shortly. We'll also talk about the record-breaking foxes later on in the show. And then we'll finish off with Scott High or Ryan Lowe, right at the end of things. So let's kick things off with. Wayne Rooney. And it's now two losses from two for the new Birmingham manager. The latest coming at home to Hull, who won 2-0. The Birmingham players were booed off after this defeat. Rooney's first game in front of the St Andrews faithful. No fear football is going really well, isn't it Justin? I I really, really hoped you'd you'd lean straight into that because this is the definition of fear football I guess because they, they can't keep hold of the ball they they get the ball and they are terrified the Birmingham players are terrified to play out from the back um, mainly because they haven't been doing it for I'm trying to think back to the last manager who maybe did it in a Birmingham shirt was it, that, was it Gianfranco Zola I was going to say probably Zola and look how that went that went well um, this isn't a sort of a, 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 an ego thing or us bigging ourselves up but this is this is a clear factor of, of Wayne Rooney not fitting a style of play that the Players that he's come in to manage have been playing for several times. He's trying to change things too soon. Um, and and this was a clear case. There were so many opportunities, or not opportunities, but scenarios last last night or, or in midweek where the Birmingham players gave the ball away from trying to play out from the back. The, the first goal they gave away, Longello. Under John Eustace, Longello would have probably put his foot on the ball and played it into the channel or played it out wide. But it was recycled back to the goalkeeper or recycled back to the lap in this case in which he then scored. Christian Bielik was under pressure to try and play out from the back. He's not been doing that for 18 months either. So there are clear, clear issues that Wayne Rooney needs to iron out. And he even said post-game that um, the players aren't comfortable with the way he wants to play. It's a big, big problem that he needs to adjust. And I think he's trying to change too, too much too soon, which lends into his inexperience. But Carrick, last season, tried to keep things quite simple and similar to what Chris Wilder was doing and got results. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not an ideal start for, for Wayne Rooney at all. No, it's definitely not. And this doesn't do much to dispel the conspiracy theories that Liam Rosinia was the brains behind the operation when he was Wayne Rooney's assistant at Derby, does it? They were just so sloppy on the ball and... Essentially, every whole chance came from Birmingham losing uh, possession. I mean, if it happens every so often, then it's an individual error. But when it happened as regularly as it did, you feel like it's something more. And I do agree, Justin, he probably is trying to change too much too soon. We needed a good start to prove that the owners were right in making this bold decision in sacking John Eustace, bringing in Wayne Rooney. But two losses in a row now. Admittedly, I think this was better. Than the loss to Middlesbrough, they only had five shots against Middlesbrough, and it was just poor. they had a bit more of an, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of efforts on on goal yeah. uh, against Hull, but Hull had only won one in seven prior to this. and we've been hinting before about how difficult. Birmingham's first few games are underway, Wayne Rooney. This is their most winnable game up until the next international break. The next three games are Southampton, Ipswich and Sunderland. And there's a very real chance Rooney could lose his first five games in charge of Birmingham City. And if that happens, I don't know where that leaves Rooney as a manager or this ownership, because the fans will not be happy. No, I think it's the matter of the or the way they've been losing the or the way they've lost the last two games. It's the most disappointing thing of how poor defensively they've been and how blunt they have been going forward as well. But you are right; those next few games coming up um, are important to at least get results to at least show that you are not. I mean, the John Eustace sides weren't giving away too many chances. And now they are. It's, it's, it's really uncomfortable to watch. And I think Wayne really will need time to get things right. You can't expect him to, to be perfect after two weeks. But I also expected him to at least be a little, little bit more pragmatic in his approach and not try and stamp his authority straight on the style of playing with this team because it's just not working. So next game, Southampton needs to adjust things. If he does, might get a result, might not. But at least we need to see a performance that at least us that he's the right appointment. Yeah, because we've definitely not had that so far, have we? But it's just Hall's second win in eight games. They have drawn most of those games in that time. Um, But only the only other two teams to lose fewer games than them this season are Ipswich and Leicester, which isn't a bad record, is it? And you, of course, boldly had them in your top six at the start of the season, Justin. You must be feeling quite encouraged about them doing that after these first 13 games. I am encouraged. I'm not really surprised, though, because... I think, again, turning it back to to Birmingham, Hull are probably where Birmingham want to be at some point. Uh, And you've got to remember that Rossini's been in charge at Hull for almost a year now. Uh, And he's done a fantastic job. And and, and it's this, this approach where they are quite patient in, in possession but they also have electric players to, to, to break forwards quickly and, and they showed that time and time again against Birmingham so there's that there's that nice ability to change things up when they need to um, but you are right they, they're they drawing games I think that's the only thing that just make me a little bit uncomfortable with that prediction is the fact that they, they do need to take the game to opposition a little bit more often to turn those draws into wins but I think it's an evolving process they've got a young side as well so yeah things are looking up and it's a, it's a big win because as you say things got a little bit bumpy over the last few weeks Yeah, it it is an evolving kind of thing, isn't it? We weren't expecting Hall to um, necessarily... It's not like if Hull didn't get in the top six this season, then that was it. It's the end of the revolution as we know it. Because it's going to take time, especially with Liam Mazzini, who's still a young coach, of course. He's just doing a sterling job. And the fact that they have drawn so many games recently obviously isn't ideal, but it shows that they're a really tough side to beat. And when only Ipswich and Leicester are the only two tides that have lost fewer games than you, that's pretty good going, Mm -hmm. really. Um, But he's getting the best out of some... Really talented players, isn't he? I mean, Jaden Philogene has been excellent <sighs> so far uh, in a whole City shirt since joining for big money in the summer. Liam Delap looks like he's starting to show signs of the player that we saw uh, early on in his career uh, mm. when he was at Man City before a disappointing season last season at both Preston and Stoke. And then other lads as well. I mean, Jacob Greaves is a top player. slater has been really good so far as well. Adama Traore is someone I've quite keen to see more of. So it's all going really well for Hull. And I don't think it's the be, end, be all and end all if they don't get in the playoffs this season. I think it's just part of the the process. You've got to trust the process at Hull with uh, Liam Rizinha. Um And I certainly trust it, Justin. And I imagine you do too. I, I trust Liam Rosinia. I trust the process. Um, not much else more to add to that other than very trustworthy process that is going on at mm. Hull right now. If you were to do a trust fall with a certain championship manager, how high would Liam Rossiniu be up in that yeah. in that uh, ranking? Liam Rossiniu would be top because Liam Rossiniu would catch me and then stroke my hair afterwards and tell me nice things about myself because that's mm. the sort of man he is. It's just it, yeah. Gareth Ainsworth, on the other hand, would drop you and apologise for it, but blame someone else. (laughs) Speaking of which, goals from Brandon Thomas Asante and Grady D'Angana saw West Brom beat QPR 2-0. QPR were down to 10 men for the final half hour of this one. However, they only managed one shot in the entire 90 minutes. Not one shot on target, just one attempt in general. And it continues to power the pressure on Gareth Ainsworth with this being their fifth loss in a row. And there's great risk that we'll repeat ourselves here, Justin, but it just can't go on, can it? And this is incredibly harsh to say, but has there ever been a more obvious case of a manager needing replacing than this? I can't remember, apart from maybe Mark Fotheringham last season at Huddersfield. There aren't really too many standout occasions where... A change has just been so blatantly needed. I, th- I think you've only got to look at the output of particular players to identify the fact that Ainsworth just isn't right, the right man for the squad. Uh, I, I, I will I will die on the hill that QPR have a good enough squad to be more competitive than they are being right now because one shot on goal against a West Brom team who have been who are a good side. But you at least expect a team. You ex- you at least expect to lay a glove on them, and they and they just they just didn't. Um, and you are right. We, we do risk repeating ourselves because things are not improving. They don't look like they're improving, and it's and it's really hard to see a way out for for QPR under Gareth They need to find a solution very quickly, um, and and the solution unfortunately doesn't seem like it's Gareth Ainsworth. I was thinking about it quite deeply last last night in in that. He's a bit like a gluten-free pizza, Gareth Ainsworth. He fills yeah. a certain objective, but you never choose it, do you? You'll never, you never have a gluten-free pizza, will you, Ryan? Unless you're, a, of course, a celiac. When, Of, of course, when but that's what I mean. It, it fills an objective for certain people, but you'll never choose it because it, it's not very nice. And Gareth we'll saying, Ainsworth... I'll we'll be saying Wickham are the celiacs here. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Um, and it works for them and it might work for another team. But it's not working for this QPR, side. So simple. Yeah, I, an interesting metaphor, but I certainly get where you're coming from. And it's that time of, again, Justin, where we have to highlight something mental that Gareth Ainsworth has said. He said in the first half, the plan was working. No. They didn't have a shot in the first half. No. <laughs> Admittedly, the, they hadn't conceded at that point, and I assume that's what he meant. But it's painful that you got a good team with some very good creative players in it, and the game plan is simply to park the bus and eventually concede anyway because this could be it could be a lot better couldn't it it could be a lot better it could be miles better you could have a shot on target for god's sake if you've got a different <laughs> manager that's the low bar that's now been set and and it's really hard to see garrison with getting or convincing anybody that he's he's going to be the right man unfortunately it's just it's 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 spiraled out of his control it spiraled out of his control last season um, and 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 it paper and certain things papered over the cracks, but this this house at QPR have built under Gareth Ainsworth is is the foundations are gone. There's cracks in the walls. You you need to you need to demolish and go again because unfortunately the only the only solution now is or it's not the only solution the only outcome at the moment of Gareth Ainsworth in charges is being cut adrift in the bottom three. Yeah. And QPR were top of the championship this time last year. (laughs) Always bears repeating. Uh, They had just beaten Wigan 2-1 at that point. And six of the 10 outfield players who started in that game are still at the club now, which shows it doesn't have to be as bad as this. Yes, a lot has changed since then, but the football can be a lot better. And then results might be a lot better. Mark Warburton, for example, just over a year and a half ago, was getting a tune out of QPR quite successfully, as was Mick Beale. and the team isn't that different, but we're just stuck with this, where the plan is seemingly park the bus, try not to concede, and then hoof it up to Lyndon Dykes or into a channel somewhere. The thing is, though, the reports I'm seeing are suggesting QPR might be sticking with Gareth Ainsworth for now, which just seems to be the equivalent of drinking bleach at this point. <laughs> What's that what's that mean where that uh, that person sticks sticks a stick through their spokes on their bike? It's just that, isn't it? Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's just incredible. They're just sticking sticking sticks through their own spokes on their on their bike. Um and unfortunately it's self-sabotage because I, I don't I don't want to laugh at the situation, but from an outside point of view, from a neutral perspective, it's laughable that QPR <laughs> see Gareth with as the man. Um because QPR fans are very passionate supporters and, and they've been vehemently um speaking out on the situation, it's just a dire situation that the club find themselves in, because when you're not willing to get rid of a manager who's so blatantly poor for your squad, um, yeah, you you're not in a good spot. No, they are definitely not. And you get the sense that there's a lack of... A footballing head behind the scenes, especially now Les Ferdinand has gone because I'm not sure Les Ferdinand, even though he got plenty of criticism from QPR fans, would have let this carry on because it's just yeah. so blatantly obvious that something needs to change. A great result for West Brom, of course. Uh, Wednesday marked the first year anniversary of Carlos Corbran as West Brom manager. So with that being said, Justin, how would you sum up the job he's done in that time? the right direction I think I'll say they're going in the right direction he's been steady there's been a yeah a fair few speed bumps um, along the way but that's natural but he's had to contend with quite a lot He's there's been a, a a lot of injuries a relatively poorly balanced squad losing key players like Dara O'Shea for example having to reduce the wage bill and of course a dreadful absent owner and the threat of well not threat but a lot of uncertainty over the future of the football club which is still not been resolved by the way but he's still been getting results and he's still kept West Brom within that top six. Of course, he took it to the last game last season, which was fantastic. And again, they're, they're hovering there or thereabouts this season I expect him to. Um, even though I think we predicted him to be 15th. But again, the fact that Cole Brand is able to overachieve consistently is, is speaking of the the quality of the manager he is. Um, and again, I still don't think West Brom have hit, hit top gear yet. Um, and I, I I back them to continue to tick along under the radar and head in that right direction under Corbran. I think that's a fair assessment, Justin, but I'll probably go a bit further than that. I think he's done a cracking job that's gone a bit under the radar. It's easy to forget how awful they were when mm-hmm. Corbran took over, not just under Steve Bruce, but also Valerie and Ishmael. I mean, when Corbran okay. took over, they had won just two of their first 16 games. They are in the relegation zone and ended up finishing in the top 10. And that job was probably overshadowed by the work of other managers last season but it's still brilliant and then this season they're ticking along very nicely despite as we know everything that's going on off the pitch and the fact that they didn't really strengthen at all in the transfer window in fact we ranked them as having, what was it, the third or fourth worst yeah. transfer window. That's just because I think they did the least business out mm. of all Championship clubs in the summer. They lost R.O. O'Shea, which is obviously a huge blow. Didn't really replace him. They brought in the likes of Josh Maguire, Jeremy Sarmiento, neither of whom have particularly played too much yeah. so far. But they're just ticking along very nicely. And they're playing very much like Corborance Huddersfield. Really mm. solid Defensively, They've kept six clean sheets in the last eight games, which is quite impressive. Uh, maybe not the most productive going forward, but they've been creating enough during games. And uh, as I say, ticking over very nicely. It will not surprise me if they're in the playoff conversation come the end of the season, which I don't think I would have given them any chance of doing no. pre-season. And that's ultimately down to Carlos Gobran, who is just a very good manager doing a very good job in difficult circumstances off the pitch. Norwich 1, Middlesbrough 2, 6 wins in a row now for Middlesbrough 6. That's more consecutive wins than they managed at any point last season. I need to remind you that they finished third last season, not far from the top two. Uh, they've even overtaken Sunderland now, which seems a bit mad considering how those two started the season. But they have just been simply irresistible in recent weeks, haven't they? They've been fantastic. They've been fantastic. Carrick 2.0, he's up and running. Um, uh, And quite rightly so. I think, believe believe it or not, hitting the board uh, and Kieran Scott, whoever's making decisions at Middlesbrough do deserve a lot of credit for sticking with Carrick. And I know it was an inconceivable um, potential decision to get rid of him, but I'm sure owners of pass would have pulled the trigger after what was a dismal start. But looking down into the stats and looking at this game again they really have been irresistible and you only got to look at the volume of chances they've been creating in games. If you look at the basics, they've beaten their opponents on XG in nine games so far this season, which is which is quite um, quite impressive. And it tells you how comfortable they are and how consistent they are at getting into good goal-scoring areas. And they were doing the same against Norwich and they've been doing the same all season. They just lack that that uh, goal-scoring touch. Still do a little bit, but I think it will come for certain players like Coburn and Latte Laugh. But you go back to that Sheffield Wednesday game, that draw away at Hillsborough. I think that was a turning point for the team, and that's probably where the penny dropped because that's where form started to prop up, and 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 now they're rolling. And we saw last season; previous history will tell us that they're very hard to stop once they get going. And I still think they've got gears to go, which is the, the frightening thing. I just hope that expectation doesn't um, doesn't go doesn't, doesn't shoot up too much because I still think this team is like whole like a lot of teams. Still think they're evolving. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and. It's going to be tricky the next few games because it's going to be a real test with them having a bit of an injury crisis. Tommy Smith's now been ruled out for the rest of the season with an Achilles injury. That's a blow considering he played so much last season. They're Also missing Riley McGree, Darrell Lenehan, Marcus Force, other players who were really important for them last season too, as well as a couple of other players. Uh, Hayden Hackney's also suspended for the weekend. So it's a real test of their depth as a squad. However, on the other hand, they've got loads of players in excellent form. Sam Greenwood in particular has been flying recently. And then just in general, they've been really blowing teams away during the six game run, haven't they? It's not like they've been scraping past teams. It's been pretty comfortable. And considering they were not getting results earlier in the season, but playing well, it's, uh, it's quite the contrast now. So it's really exciting. And you've got to say they're looking a lot more like the promotion contenders people thought they would be this season and I completely agree with you sticking with Michael Carrick I don't think he was ever in actual danger of getting sacked but it could have happened and keeping faith with him and sticking with the idea that he's the man to take them forwards into the future I think Middlesbrough deserve a bit of respect on that account as well Uh, it seems like Norwich fans though have lost patience with David Wagner six losses in nine league games and I tell you what, that good start to the season feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? I was going to say, they looked great in August, looked absolutely fantastic. and They did, didn't they? Just, were, did we they were saying, weren't we? Team. Yeah, probably the best team in yeah. the league. It was a close one between them and Ipswich, but Norwich probably just edged it. And now look at them. Uh, yeah, and I, you do have to go back to the fact that you know, key, injuries to key attacking personnel did pile up and they came at the wrong time. But I I said it at the weekend and it's the same again in this game. They were too easy to slice open and it's consistently happening without it being uh, remedied and that's a big problem for Wagner and you are right. Questions are are being asked of him and I think that's absolutely fair. There's some interesting substitutions being made as well, but he has also been sweeping up from poor transfer windows and a poor managerial appointment appointment in Dean Smith. Um, So, that's just sort of playing playing both hands there, but I think the club might benefit from from a fresh start away from Stuart Weber, which may ultimately mean Wagner's going to lose his job. But I think if he can, if he can get um, the team more solid through the middle uh, and stop them conceding chances so consistently and so easily, then results might turn. But at the moment, the same issues have been arising since the since sort of mid September onwards that haven't been that haven't been addressed, and it's, that's a big worry. Yeah, it's a massive worry. I, I'm incredibly concerned about how leaky at the back they've suddenly become they've now let in the joint most goals in the division when early on in the season when they were playing so well they were brilliant defensively and going forwards but that just seems so far away now and as I've kept saying repeatedly they're so incredibly reliant on Gabriel Sara and that's essentially it if he doesn't play well then Norwich don't play well and This was a good example of that one here. Um, I mean, David Wagner seemed like a strange appointment when he was made. It seemed like the sporting director, Stuart Webber, was picking the easy option and giving his old mate the job. And he's never looked convincing for a prolonged period of time as he's had spells where he's made Norwich look like they could be getting back to their best, but it's just not lasted long. And this is why I had my big doubts about them at the start of the season. And here they are back in the bottom half of the championship again it looks very unlikely that they'll stick with Wagner all season. The obvious question is, when do they pull the trigger? Because the added complication here is you've got the new sporting director coming in at the end of next month. So do you wait until then to sack Wagner? Because there's a few games to be played until then and they could be costly if mm-hmm. Wagner, if Norwich don't make a decision. I think that's a, that's a really interesting conundrum they find themselves in. Because like I said, I don't think well, should, certainly should not be making a decision on who who the next manager is going to be. But I still think that Wagner deserves a little bit of time to to get things right. But like you said, how much time is that? Is it is it a case of the first decision the new sporting director has got to make is is to whether to change the manager or not? It's a it's a, it's a big one. But if results and performances mainly continue as they are, um, then yeah, Wagner doesn't have a lot of time, and yeah, the new the new sporting director coming in will, will have a big decision to make yeah well he, he will have a big decision to make anyway won't he i suppose do you think that in a way it's quite a good position for the sporting director to be in to be able to choose his new manager straight away i was just thinking it's quite a nice read? it's quite a nice thing isn't it really because you get a clean slate there's that but also you you your first big your first decision coming into a big job do you want it to be to sack the manager or to decide whether the grass should be three millimetres longer than it currently is. I'd rather go to the easy decision, but you are right. The, the, the big decision, I mean, the, the, the grass being longer um, is, is, isn't going to have, an impact, have a, much of an impact on the team as a, as a new manager would. But, um, Great analysis uh, by us on the second tier. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean though? You, you don't want to have to make that big decision because it's a lot of pressure on your shoulders because it's ultimately going to decide the outcome of the season, whether it's going to be a good appointment or a bad appointment. We've seen QPR last season make bad appointment after bad appointment we've seen several teams do it as well um, last season well, we saw Norwich do it last season as well um, I and- think it would be a good thing though Justin because we keep saying Norwich need a big reset if Ben Napper, the new sporting director really comes in he gets to choose his own manager then that's a great way to start the big reset isn't it yeah but it's November you don't want your big reset to happen just before a January transfer window where it's incredibly difficult to recruit you want it to be happening well, in the summer, ideally, but I guess this just lines up with that stupidly long notice period that Stuart was seeing out. Um, mm. But uh, for me, I, I think Wagner deserves time. And if he can convince the new sporting director that he's the man, then, then so be it. But I don't think the first decision he should be making should be whether to sack a manager or not. I'm not sure I agree. Wagner deserves time. I do think, though, it'd be quite foolish of Norwich to sack Wagner in the coming days and then point to someone else before the new sporting director comes in because that would, wouldn't make any sense at all would it but it would be interesting to see how this pans out a bad day at the office for Leeds they were beaten 1-0 away at Stoke Patrick Bamford skied a 75th minute penalty and minutes later Pascal Stroik scored the only goal uh, scored the only goal in his own goal which gave Stoke the win um, oh, I was a bit surprised Bamford took that penalty Justin mm yeah yeah it was a poor penalty i did tweet that um or x whatever uh, that that's what you get for wearing gloves on a wednesday night in stoke you think that played a part to you i do actually i do because i get i get really warm when i'm running around and my hands get quite clammy and sweaty and ultimately i think that's going to impact how how when you lean back his whole body's going to fall back because there's extra weight in his hands and ultimately he's going to sky the penalty. I just think he was unsettled by the clamminess of his hands because he's wearing gloves when he shouldn't do. But more to the Maybe. serious point, the fact that he's missed his last couple of penalties, really poor penalties, um, and he side-footed this, it just didn't look like a confident run-up at all. I'm not a, I'm not an expert penalty taker by any means, but he just didn't look confident. But if, if Leeds don't have anybody to, to come in and take one, then, then so be it. But... Yeah, it just wasn't a competent penalty, and it was a, it was a big, big moment in the game because it changed it in Stoke's favour massively into that last fifteen minutes, um, and I, I think that's why they won their game. If if Bamford obviously scores that, I think Leeds take the take the one 0 win it back to back to Elland Road. But crowd got up, players got up, yeah, atmosphere went up, Leeds were rocked. Yeah, they they definitely looked rocked. I found it a bit strange in general that Daniel Farke took off Joel Pirro for Bamford when his side are looking for a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be said. Bamford's confidence certainly seems very low right now, hence why it was quite surprising he took the penalty in the first place. In all seriousness, though, a result like this doesn't do much good for championship neutrals like us who want a promotion race, does it? Leeds remain third, but now nine points off Ipswich already. And Ipswich have got a game in hand. And this is why they're going to have to show, Leeds that is show some incredible consistency for the remainder of the season, aren't they? Well, this is what I was alluding to at the start of the season is... Leeds are going to, go ha- they're going to have a slow start, which ultimately gives the other teams ahead of them a, a head start. But I don't think anyone would have expected both Leicester and Ipswich to be so ruthlessly brilliant and consistent with their results. But you are right, it's going to be have to be a monumental run of form between now and the end of the season. But we have seen it with Daniel Farker at Norwich. It's just whether or not they can be aggressively clinical when they need to be. In front of goal because that's been the, that's been an issue in some games. I go back to the Sheffield Wednesday game at home, where they just didn't show enough in that final third, and they didn't quite show enough in in, in this game either. Because I think Stoke's game plan worked quite nicely, and they had some some of the better chances in a, in a game that was filled with relative half chances. But yeah, I think that that ability to be ruthless, aggressively ruthless, and clinical in front of goal is I think that's letting them down. And if they can get that right, then I do back them to go on a, a, a run that will run it close. But you are right, there's a lot of lot of ground that needs to be made up yeah there certainly is back-to-back wins for stoke alex neil very much easing the pressure on himself after being very much under it after the last international break wins against sunderland and leeds Mm. not bad is it considering uh, how poor they were looking before the international break i don't think they've been particularly incredible during these two wins but you know wins are wins and uh Alex Nill will certainly take that, considering the position he was in. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about more wins for Leicester and Ipswich. which the so greedy.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
1: Welcome back to the second tier podcast and Leicester City won again a James Justin goal. saw them beat Sunderland 1-0. It's all getting a bit boring now, isn't it? They've become the first championship site ever to win 12 of their first 13 games. They're just ridiculously good, aren't they? Top of the league and you'll do well to find many sane championship fans who don't think they'll go on to get promoted as things stand. Here's a question for you, Justin. Of course... They have been simply irresistible so far. I don't think anyone's denying that. But if you had to pick the biggest weakness in this Leicester team, what would it be? <laughs> You're asking me to find faults in a in a faultless team. It's Essentially it, yes. Incredible. Right. Let me let me dig deep. Tea person putting the tea and coffee together I might make a weak tea and coffee. That will ultimately damage morale. Nothing like mm. a bad cup of tea or coffee sets me up for a for a bad day. Um maybe if I look at the numbers they could take the first first 30 minutes of games a bit more seriously as the last 30 minutes just looking at the, the the percentage of goals 26% of goals scored in the first 30 compared to 56% in the last 30 maybe make it easier for themselves by coming out of the traps early and getting an early goal um other than that it's it's incredibly difficult to find faults in a team in a team that have been so brilliant and ruthlessly efficient because uh, the, the games aren't even like edged or poised it's just less to slowly gain control and then they've got you and then that's it the game's away from you you've lost sorry see ya simple that is it. Is it and you talk about the first you know 30 minutes or so it's kind of like a cat when it finds a Bird in the garden, it's just like pouring around with it and uh, just teasing it before uh, eventually killing it. it? And you're just scraping the bowel when it comes to weaknesses with this team. Of course, the issue that we kept flagging up at the start of the season was that they weren't playing too well but still winning, and now they are playing well and Mm -hmm. have just seemingly been getting better and better. And that's scary that they've been doing that despite winning 12 of their first 13. I Mm -hmm. I thought maybe up front. They could be better because I don't think Vardy or Ian Atcher have been amazing so far. But having said that, they've scored a combined nine goals, which is as many as QPR have scored this season. <laughs> so, I mean, Enzo Moresca, if you asked him what weakness they've got, he'd probably say not having a left footed player at left back. But since Callum Doyle got injured, they've played five games, one or five, with an aggregate score of 13 2. So, clearly not affecting them that much. Um, so, what's the biggest weakness? There isn't one, really, is there? That's the lesson here. You'd have thought something must crop up as the season goes on, but it's difficult to see anything that could possibly derail them as things stand. I don't think I can maybe see derailing, uh, less being derailed is, is is a mass injury crisis or a mass... Um... Justin, I don't think even that will affect them because they've got so much squad depth. You look at some of the players who haven't started as many games. I mean, Hamza Chowdhury is... A quality player, I think, who would be getting into just about every other team in the Championship, but has not really featured so far. He's just one player I'm picking out at the top of my head. You could go through plenty more. It's just the ridiculous amount of squad depth as well. So anything, anything, come on, give us something, Leicester. A dodgy dodgy lasagna on a Friday night before a game. Maybe, but that would just be one game, Justin. Mm. Or maybe a couple of games. Food poisoning is a, a vicious beast, isn't it? But... I think, aside from a mass injury crisis or a dodgy lasagna, I can't really see anything stopping Leicester as things stand. The only way to beat Leicester is to hope there's a dodgy lasagna. It's to spike their food. That's it. (laughs) That's your best tactic, lads. Go on. I was having a look at their fixtures. They have still not played any of the bottom three either, which is pretty insane. Having said that, they've still not... Go on. I was going to say, the Championship cards rubbing their hands here. Oh, yeah. If there's (laughs) ever going to be a proper Championship shit-housing, then it could be in one of those games. Having said that, they've still not played Leeds at Ipswich yet. Leicester v Ipswich on the Boxing Day. Oh, juicy. Having said that, that is still quite far away. So... Yeah, it could still be quite a while until we see Leicester drop any points. Uh, Speaking of which, a Nathan Broadhead goal saw Ipswich continue their remarkable start. They won 1-0 away at Bristol City. They remain second, five points off Leicester with a game in hand. uh, Ipswich are the first promoted side in any English league division to win 10 of their opening 12 league games. The Ipswich is going up tractor. Isn't slowing down, Justin, mate. You've reluctantly got on board, but unfortunately for you, it's getting too fast for you now to even consider getting off. Yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be at risk of serious harm, if, uh, wouldn't I? If I if I jumped off now, so yeah, no no um no no choice other than to to stay on it. And to be honest with you, games like this do remind you that it's which are a good side because they had to grind it out at times. You only got to and you need you need that element of look as well. You only got to look at the Harry Cornick shot which dribbled across the line, and it yeah. was a great goal line clearance. Um, I can't remember who it was from who who cleared it off the line, but it was you know you you're a divot away from conceding an equaliser. But good teams. Have that on their sides, and 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 also they did, and I know Bristol City did create some, yeah, you know, some decent opportunities, but it's which were just really good. The way they moved the ball, the way they're in, yeah you know, in, intertwined with each other in terms of the passing sequences, it's all there on a plate, and they are a good side. They're not they're not winning by fluke; they're winning by being a very incredibly well drilled outfit, and that's credit to to Kieran McKenna again. Yeah, yeah, I mean. How often do we have to praise the job mm-hmm. that Kieran McKenna is doing? It's just ridiculous, isn't it? And you're right, I I think Leicester have kind of been blowing teams away recently. And Ipswich have not had too many games in my mind where they have blown teams away. But it's just efficiently, you know, grinding teams down, isn't it? And mm-hmm. um, what you'll often find in games is they'll just limit opposition teams to enough... Uh, to. Uh, minuscule amount of chances and then just create enough chances up the other end to get them past the opposition and that's all they ultimately have to do Um and the players are beautiful football along the way let's not um, take that away from them but it's it doesn't look like it's showing any signs of stopping and going on back to what you were saying you make your own look at the end of the day don't yeah. you I mean Gareth Ainsworth will do all he can to moan about referees but as I say, you make your own look and if you give the referee the opportunity to, you know, give a decision against you, then mm-hmm. it's gonna cost you. Quick question. Go on. Are you are you more impressed with Kieran McKenna's job or Enzo Mareska's job? Kieran McKenna's, without doubt. Easy. Yeah. Any any reason why? Well, look at the players. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, Leicester have got probably well, definitely one of the strongest squads we've ever seen at this level, isn't yeah. it? I think, I, I don't want to take anything away from mentzer because, of course, he's doing a fantastic job. It's a lot easier said than done, you know, turning this Leicester team into the ruthless machine that it's been. But Kieran McKenna has simply got Ipswich, a newly promoted side, as one of the best teams in the division, one of the best teams we've actually ever seen in at this level after the 12 games and playing as well as this. And the number of players he's got playing above their level is just insane i mean i keep going back to massimo luongo who was a free agent back in january when ipswich signed him up having been signed up for middlesbrough for a couple of months wanting and then mm-hmm. being you know thrown out with the garbage um and now he's turned <laughs> him into one of the best midfielders in the division this season he's a he's the obvious example there but the likes of nathan broadhead connor chaplin i mean go through the whole squad basically and everyone's just playing above their level and that's why the job that he's been doing not on a massive budget by Championship standards either is just so remarkable and that's why I'll continue to praise him and bow down to him in my little shrine in the back of the room <laughs> as much as I can, Justin. That's do you agree? I do agree. I do agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, it's not a slight on Maresco but the fact that McKenna's got a smaller budget they've just come up from League One and you're quite right he's got players playing way above the level and they're keeping they're keeping stride with leicester although i don't think it will be close come the end of the season within five points and a game in hand it's quite an incredible incredible um yeah outcome at the moment for for it which yeah kieran mckenna yeah deserves a lot of praise and yes yeah, certainly certainly more not yeah certainly more impressed with him than than amoreska but again you've only got to look at the squads finances etc to, to make that judgment yeah yeah and I mean I'm not sure I necessarily agree with you on how close it'll be at the end of the season because I can, as think stand I could quite easily see Leicester breaking the points record. That's a discussion for another day, but the way <laughs> things are going, it's it's getting that way, isn't it? But I don't think I don't think Ipswich will be, you know, miles off. It's no. um it's just about how much they have a dip at some point this season, which I think will happen, but I don't think it's going to be a massive drop-off, I've got to say. A bit of an eye-catching result, Huddersfield 0, Cardiff 4. This comes just after I said Huddersfield were proving to be a difficult team to beat at the weekend. (laughs) Uh, But a great result for Cardiff, their first win in four. What a free kick by Perry NG, and he's someone who's had a cracking start to the season, isn't he? Yeah, he's been fantastic. Again, probably one of the best right-backs in a division, and I think it was, we go back to last season. Did he take his first free kick last season when he scored it in, in yeah, a match? I was I was going to say, I remember him scoring a beautiful free kick last season. And I think that may have been his first Cardiff yeah. goal. Yeah, but I vaguely remember the story behind it. He just was staying behind to take some set of pieces and found it was good It i might be wrong but i remember the story being quite nonchalant and him being quite nonchalant about it and now now he's pulling off these absolute worldies while being yeah. a cracking defender at the same time what an asset i can't think of too many defenders who or too many fullbacks who were incredible at free kicks and also yeah also a fullback roberto carlos springs to mind but <laughs> not 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 making a comparison but i'm just saying i was gonna say <laughs> just saying there's there's a potential there for yeah for, for some for some relation, uh, relation, um, for some, yeah, some relatability there. But yeah, it was, it was a great free kick and it capped off a, a wonderful evening for Cardiff and they've, they've been ticking over incredibly well under, under a bullet. Yeah. And some of the replays of that free kick as well, watching it just curl in. Was, oh, oh, it was beautiful. beautiful. It was Bend it like us. NG. And <laughs> um, I've always associated him with being someone who's a great defender, not necessarily so good going forwards, but I think he's shown a bit more of that this season. Um and he's been excellent so far for Cardiff. I think Error Bullet has taken his game to a new level. It's great to see. I think Bullet's actually done that with a couple of players. I mean, I don't know how good Dimitri Gautas was prior to this season. Cool hero status now. Well, he's been excellent so far. He really yeah. has. So, yeah, he's, uh, Bullitt is certainly doing a great job. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, let's go to another eye-catching result. Rotherham winning 2-0 at home to Coventry and... We've given rather than plenty of stick about how poor they've been so far, Justin. But this was by far and away their best performance, I would say. Best performance. Best performance going forward by miles. They look so threatening. They are so many questions of Ben Wilson. They took their goals really well. That Rathbone goal was, was oh, yeah. brilliant. Was yeah. Again, you just love a drive and you hit it into the ground and it comes back up. Keeps I just like got no chance. In, You know, when you've got a striker who's, you know, as composed enough as Georgie Kelly in that situation to just chest it down. Mm. And he just looks... Properly beautiful. Well, that's why I love root on football sometimes because it's just great. I know it wasn't a root sometimes all the time. <laughs> got a got a sick got a sick love for it. Um, <laughs> but they, they they were fantastic and they kept a clean sheet in the process. And I know Johansson had to make a few saves, but it was a it was an open game that could have got out of Rotherham's control. And the impressive thing is they 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 didn't allow it. They took the chances when it came. Just annoyed that it didn't come um, last weekend when I backed them as my outsider. And obviously the game was was, was postponed, but nonetheless, they, they showed up here in this game and, and, and took the game to Coventry. Um, and they made it really difficult for them. And, and fair play to them because, they, like you said, that like you pointed out, they had been dreadful. Yeah, they have been dreadful. And, you know, Rotherham fans have disagreed with us, but I don't know what they're watching if they disagree with us because they have been dreadful. And while they were relying quite a bit on Victor Hansen in goal, You know, At the other ends, they were still testing Ben Wilson plenty in the Coventry goal. So this was so much better. It's so much better than what we've seen from Rotherham so far. If they play like this more often, they'll have a great chance of staying up. Mm. It is worth remembering it is just one game in 13. They've been pretty poor in just about every game so far. But this was more like the Rotherham of last season. And that's certainly a good thing. Even though they stayed up, you know, not by the skin of their teeth, but whatever level is above that. um, It's still... Much better than what we've seen so far. Coventry down to 20th. 20th, Justin. I'm not really sure what's happening at Coventry. It looked like they had turned a corner, but it's now back to about losses. Really not going well at all, despite spending heavily in the summer. We'll have more of a, ch- a chat about that at the weekend, I imagine. Plymouth got back to winning ways by beating Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. Their first win in five. They had dropped down to 21st after the weekend's games, but... I just don't see them being in trouble at all, Justin. I, when I saw them in 21st at the weekend, I was thinking, that's a false position. Is 18th in the table a bit more like it? I'm not too sure, but definitely not that low. No, no. They, 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 well, I, I would back them to be fine. I don't want to throw too much weight behind it just yet, but they're certainly three worse teams than them. But I do expect them to rise up the table as well because they've got so much talent going forwards. Um, you've only got to look at the goals that they scored. Morgan, which is... Wittig's, Morgan Whittaker's goal the way he took it the way it opened up Sheffield Wednesday's defence was, was quality Ryan Hardy as well his finish was fantastic and the free kick um, that he scored as well there's a lot of quality in the team and I, I don't think you can really discount that from from games going forwards yes they're going to be blown away sometimes but they're a new side new young side that haven't invested heavily they've invested heavily for them but they haven't invested heavily in the grand scheme of the, the, the division um, so I think again they're still they're going to go through the motions they're going to keep going through the motions but as long as they're above 21st first, twenty yeah it's 21st 21st yeah you've got it yeah. how does the championship work uh, as long as they're above that bottom three come the end of the season they won't care and, uh, but they'll still they'll get results along the way and and entertain doing it and that's all you can ask yeah I, I don't think they will care if they literally just stay up 21st by goal difference come the end of the season <laughs> but I just think I just think they're so much better than that going forwards they are one of the best teams in the division, I think. Uh, it's just how leaky they've been at the back and their away has been a big problem as well. Uh, but considering it's Steven Schumacher, who is a manager I rate quite highly, I'd like to think they will tighten up as the season goes on. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to finish mid-table nowhere near the relegation zone. Because I just think in terms of the talent they've got, There's a lot there to like with Plymouth Mm. Um, and maybe the January transfer window might be a big thing for them as well, considering their recruitment is so spot on. So, yeah, with regards to them being three worse teams than them, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think there's more than three teams worse than them. Um, It's just going to be interesting to see how things tick along and whether they do tighten up at the back and can have a bit of a, you know, quite a standout season yeah. in the grand scheme of things Wednesday stuck on three points continue to break records for the poorest start ever at this level after so many games just really rolling in the deep now aren't they having said that they weren't that bad against Plymouth despite the score lines so at least the new manager isn't just letting them rule over like they were before um, Blackburn have made it three wins in a row after <laughs> coming from a goal down to beat Millwall 2-1 what a goal by Callum Britton his first goal for Blackburn too. Doesn't score many, but that was a beautiful. Pff, that was a proper beautiful finish. Blackburn aside I keep, to keep an eye on, I reckon. They've been great going forwards, but conceded too many other, at the other ends, kind of like Plymouth, actually. If they could just tighten up, could go one step further than last season. They've kind of got to channel what they were defensively last season, while also maintaining how good they've been going mm-hmm. forwards this season. I it's a fine balance that uh, Johansson um, has to... Thomas? Uh, to- Johansson... Yondol Thomasson, sorry. Um, it's because we we're to talk about Richie Hansen a second ago. Uh, Yondol Thomasson has to balance there, isn't it? Uh, Watford won away for the first time in nine months. They beat Swansea 1-0 thanks to a beauty from Ken Seamer. Swansea did have a goal disallowed here for something. I've watched it several times. I have no idea. What it was for justin and then Watford went up the other end and scored but without a doubt a huge win for the hornets and Valerie and Ishmael, considering he was under a bit of pressure and a 96th minute equalizer from Southampton saw them draw two two away at Preston their goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu celebrated it and I thought we had one of the most beautiful things in football Justin a goalkeeper scoring a goal. But unfortunately, it was an, og- an own goal. Beautifully, uh, brutally snatched away from us by Chad Evans. Although some people are saying Brad Potts. It was a Preston player, whatever the case. A great goal by Cal Walker Peters as well, by the mm. way. That was a. Uh... That was a really special. Let's have a look ahead to the weekend. So in each midweek episode of the second tier, just and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but is bigger odds with the bookies than their opponents. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. It's one point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back for Justin Peach and a CrossFit workout for myself. And I'm very unfit. The current scores are 12-9 to myself. No change in the scores, which is in large part down to the Rotherham v Ipswich game being postponed. And I think we'll just add on that score when that game is replayed. Just is that fair? It's fair. But, for example, Rotherham, you know, they might have an injury crisis. This this is the whole thing about games being postponed. That's the whole thing. But, you know. But yeah, it's okay. football. Fair enough. Sympathy. Great. It's, it's Thank football. You. It's football, isn't it? I think that game has been replayed on the eighth. So not that far away. All I'm that's saying, I, I just just hope you don't pick a ground that is next to a river when it's rainy season. It's not I something I considered. I'll uh, I'll remember that in the future, or um, well, just don't pick Rotherham because Rotherham. <laughs> if there's ever a game that's waterlogged, it always seems to be Rotherham at the Championship. it? Anyway, just to watch your banker. I've gone with Leeds to, to win at home to Huddersfield a little bit more confident uh, in this one after Huddersfield's dismal showing against Cardiff midweek but that does come with a warning Does it, you know, teams don't really like to repeat themselves but you're looking at Leeds home form as well home form one of the last three at home they look incredibly healthy going forwards in terms of squad balance I know they lost against Stoke but they were a penalty away from, from my in my opinion picking up the three points and I just think that 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 competition that's coming in is that final third is going to make more th- things more uh, fierce and ultimately get a lot more out of them. And as I say, Hud- Huddersfield are going to be smarting after the win, which might make it a little bit more difficult. It's a derby as well, which makes it a little bit more difficult. But H- H- Leeds home form. Got to back them. Form goes out the window in a derby. Oh that's God. all I'm going to say. At my banker is Leicester to win away at QPR on Saturday. I <clears throat> don't need to explain this one to us. Leicester are excellent and QPR a shite. Be a massive turn for the books if we see anything else here. My outsider is Bristol City to win away at Cardiff in the seven side derby. I've gone for this one because it is a derby and it just tends to come down to whoever wants it the most. Having said that, there is a bit of logic to this. Bristol City have a good recent record at Cardiff in this fixture. Why are you laughing? You're just throwing cliches around. Get out of here. Um, as I was saying, Bristol City have a good recent record at Cardiff in this fixture. They've won three of the last four derbies there, so I'll go for a Bristol City victory. And you're an outsider, Justin? I've gone with Swansea to win away at Blackburn. It's quite a risk because Blackburn have picked up in form. But Swansea were beaten in the last three away games and won the last two. Michael Duff, despite losing to Leicester last weekend, they have still looked good. And the energy side of things for me... Is, is, is a big factor and I think they're going to they're gonna run try and run Blackburn into the ground and probably come away with a clean sheet it's uh, a big big draw that I don't need to really really throw in there I think Blackburn may have lost Dom Haim to injury that could potentially swing things in Swansea's favour as well Swansea lost back-to-back games but he's still backing it ladies and gentlemen now it's time for this Scott High or Ryan Lowe <laughs>
0: Best of the fucking shit,
1: mate. Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It is as simple as that. There's three questions, and this week Justin is providing the questions for me. So, what have you got for me, Justin Peach, you bastard? The first question I want you to rank these sides for highest possession so far this season QPR, Preston, Millwall, Rotherham. A load of teams who do not like <laughs> possession. Uh, do, 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 do. I'll go. I reckon Millwall will be top of that. It's between Millwall and Preston, I think. Millwall, Preston. QPR, rather. Balls, he's done it. That's the end. Have I? Yeah, oh, you've done it. I was Ping. I think you, you separate the two of them. Because it was between Millwall and Preston for the top and then uh, keep your arm rather than for the bottom. I wasn't too sure, but just managed to yeah. get my ducks in a row. It's close. It is a close one. Millwall have got 43%. And to put that into perspective, Rotherham got 34%. My God. <laughs> <laughs> no the average for a third of possession in games. That is outrageous. Isn't it? yes, it's not ideal. Not ideal. Would you want the second question? You're on a roll, so why not? Let's get straight into it. I would love to want you to rank these sides in order of the biggest away following? wing. It's total away attendance, by the way. So, there you are. cumulative away attendance so far this season. Yes, not Mm -hmm. all time. I don't have those numbers. Leicester, Leeds, Birmingham, Watford. Leicester, Leeds, Birmingham, Watford. Okay, well, Leeds always travel well, don't they? As they like to tell people all the time. Um, I'll go... So I'm just looking at the away table now. Blackburn have played <gasps> a game more than Leicester. Blackburn? Yeah. I didn't say Blackburn. Birmingham. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know where I got Blackburn from. Uh, where You're are cheating and doing it badly. Why are they, I'm using logic? No. just it's Logic like, in but... your brain, not on the computer. Birmingham tend to travel well as well. Um, but will Leicester have... I think I think Leicester will be above Birmingham. So I'll, go, your, your I'll go Leeds, Leicester, Birmingham, Watford. And I reckon if one's going to do me there, it's going to be Birmingham and Leicester. This is going to surprise you, but you, you're terribly wrong here. Am terribly I? Terribly wrong. Wow, All okay. out of place. Watford are top with 25,000 so far. Then huh? Leeds with 24,000. Yeah, I mean, there's 20... no disrespect to Watford, but what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, Watford top 25,000 Leeds 24,000 then Birmingham with 21,000 then Leicester with 20,000 Now there are so okay. many variables you've got to think of it's the amount of away games they've played the distances they've had to travel etc Well I'm just looking at it now they've travelled to Cardiff, Swansea Sunderland and Leeds That's quite quite, it's quite big far away days. Yeah Fair enough. That doesn't make any sense to me. All right then, fair enough. Um, I'll st- I don't think I would have ever got that because I would have never put Watford <laughs> anywhere other than bottom in that. Um, final one then, Just I want you to give me the most popular zoos in the UK. Ooh, based go on, on then. Based I on like attendance. a good zoo. <laughs> no, you don't. That's why I'll this one. Edinburgh Zoo, Twycross Zoo, West Midland Safari Park and Colchester Zoo. Ooh. Now, you've got to kind of keep in mind here the uh, distance of respective other zoos. Um, So, with that being said, I'm not sure there's many near Colchester. So, that might be quite high. West Midlands of Fire Park is packed all the time. I've been there a few times, and every time I've been there, it is packed. Edinburgh Zoo, I, I think Edinburgh Zoo might be top. Because, is that the biggest zoo? I'm not sure. <laughs> Never been, so I, I, I wouldn't no. know. Um, I'd go Edinburgh Zoo top. You said Twycross, didn't you? I did. Twycross is tiny. Uh, so I will not put that very high. I'd go Edinburgh, West Mids, Colchester, Twycross. You only got one in there. I'd have, I'd have stuck with your of logic, because that's actually really good logic that you went with. Colchester Zoo is top. Is it? I don't don't know if there are any other zoos around it, but I imagine it's quite isolated. It's very good, very good mm -hmm. logic. West Midlands Safari Park is then second. It's very popular, I imagine, because you just drive in with your cars. It's dead easy. Edinburgh Zoo is third. And then Twycross Zoo is last, which I thought surprised me because they've got elephants at Twycross Zoo. I've not been to a zoo in years. I don't know what goes on in these things. No, Twycross Zoo is quite small. In comparison to other zoos, I didn't know. I didn't know enough about Edinburgh Zoo. Unfortunately, I don't know how big it is. For some reason, I had it in my head that it might be the biggest, um, but it's clearly not. Um, so there you go. However, I don't know how many zoos are in Scotland. So there's plenty of you know variables you've got to consider here. But ultimately, I failed. You did. You did. You failed. You, big start. Big start, and then it just went downhill. And, and unfortunately for you. It's like Norwich City. City. <laughs> like Norwich City. <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's Scott High or Ryan Lowe. And this has been the Second Seer Podcast. A big thank you for listening wherever you are. And if you wouldn't mind, just a, just a quick one between you and me, listener, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us grow as a podcast. It only takes a second of your time and helps us go a long way to growing as a podcast. So if you wouldn't mind just doing that, you God, please do it for me um, I'll do it for Justin if you don't like do it this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday for a review of all the weekend games in the championship we so bloody look forward to seeing you then this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a gigantic thank you for
0: listening Second tier is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.